0: Uh, we're recording okay here we go ready for the intro let's hope i can speak properly what do you reckon one to ten on whether i'm going to be able to articulate this intro tim
1: um i'm gonna give it um an optimistic seven out of ten and i'm gonna (laughs) recommend recommend it for all ages
0: (laughs) okay here goes Welcome to My Turn Podcast, a gaming podcast hosted by extra-competitive siblings. Expect news, reviews, laughs and arguments as we take a... Oh, no, again. (laughs) 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 Almost. Hang on, going in for a second time. Welcome to My Turn Podcast, a gaming podcast hosted by extra-competitive siblings. Expect news, reviews, laughs and arguments as we take on games across all genres and platforms. My name's Jem, and I'm joined by my honorary little brother, Tim!
1: Bonjour, mon petit (laughs) chou.
0: I don't know what that means. Something like, hello, small, something...
1: Yeah, hello, my little cabbage.
0: (laughs) Um, If you listen to an earlier uh, edition of the podcast where we talk about drinking games, specifically Eurovision, you'll hear an interesting story about me and a cabbage. But I digress. Um, We're back for a new series, Tim.
1: (laughs) We are, thank goodness. And you know what I'm already excited about for this series is that the previous series had quite a lot of video games because yep. we were going through a little thing where we weren't allowed to leave the house very much but don't know what you're talking now about that,
0: <laughs> now yeah
1: now that that's easing we get to actually do some face-to-face gamage which is what I'm bringing you today Jen are three quick face-to-face board games inspired by the fact that we did them together in the same place at the same time
0: I know just massive novelty we were actually together in the same place at the same time as tim said playing physical games that you can touch and stuff um did we sanitize them no i don't think we did i think we just went for it
1: sanitized ourselves that's true we um there was Gem set up something in the hallway you had to come through like and um, get completely naked <laughs> she sprayed you in sanitizer um and then you had to do a little merry jig until you were dried off and then you were allowed to enter the house what was the um what was the song we had to dance to
0: um, in the car wash, and that that's when I got the revolving um towelette yeah. m- emotion going, yeah, yeah. Um, I was I had just one surprised. on each arm.
1: <laughs> I see you beat me to it because I wasn't going to say it was attached to your arms. <laughs> in the car wash, shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Oh,
0: whoa, 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 oh, oh, we're back with the new season, but um. As you're on the show, Tim, we obviously have to sing a song really badly because that's just oh, yeah. what we <laughs> do. <did. laughs>
1: we, ne- we never plan that bit. It just happens.
0: <laughs> oh, mate, it was so nice to see you again. And um, thanks for tuning back in, everyone. So as Tim said, we are going to be talking about three very quick, short board game titles that we have played. Um I want to ask you, Tim, something that we've got in the habit of doing is playing a quick warm-up game, a tabletop quickie, if you will, before a big board game session. Um, Do you do that as well?
1: Yeah, I often have a quickie before a big session. Sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes you've got a, a, a gathering of many people coming to your big session, mm. and maybe only one other person has arrived, and you don't necessarily want to wait until you kick things off, so you might just have a quick one with them, um, or maybe another person, and just then really the get... the brain a bit. Exactly, yeah, yeah, just to lubricate the uh, the older uh, fingers and thoughts, and then um, really get into it once you've hit critical mass.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's literally foreplay, isn't it? It's the play before... Yeah. The it is. yeah yeah I mean I see nothing wrong with it um, and do you have any particular favorites that you you turn to before a big board game sesh
1: yes, on the I spot see, actually I do well, I do it can it can depend on who turns up as to who's familiar because yeah. I think one of the things about having a quick game is you want the people who are there to already be familiar with it and not yeah. to have to spend time explaining rules so it does depend on who turns up but um I find that king of tokyo gets played a lot oh first game because that's quite quick and it's a little you never know which way it's gonna go it's a bit of a scramble it's quite fun because you get to attack people and it sort of warms up the competitiveness so that's one and um another would be a a little game called love letters
0: oh i love love letters
1: yeah because again that's that's really simple even if no one's ever played it before every you can only take two actions and yeah. the actions you can take are written on the cards, and you have two cards at any one time, so you can't not know how to play it. It's just like pick one of those and get mm. going. Obviously, there's tactics that you learn the more you do it, but it's a simple warm up game. So yeah, I yeah. Like
0: those two. And I find those kind of games you can sort of have a chat while you're playing it. It's not ultimate concentration. You can't talk to each other because tactics. So you yeah. can kind of have your hellos, have a little catch up while you're playing them. Um, mm. My favourite warm up game. Is 100% Double. I love Double. <laughs> it's just such a high energy, kind of focusing game, but it only lasts a couple of minutes. And so it just really gets your competitive juices flowing, which is what I love about playing games. I like winning. Um...
1: <laughs> is Double the one with the faces, though?
0: Not face it, Uh, there's only one face technically on the pictures, but there are different editions of double. So double, it's original form is um, kind of like snap, but there's seven symbols on each card. So they're not, I know Tim, you're one of these people that has trouble recognising different faces. Um, Yeah,
1: I think I've played a version of double where it was faces and so I never played it again because I can't do it. But if it's just symbols, I'd be okay.
0: Yeah, there is a face, which is the, the kind of icon or character which is known as Dobble, which is this little, like, purple hand thing. But mm-hmm. um, everything else is, like, a tree, a carrot, a lock, a oh, drop okay. of water. Yeah, you can recognise a it.
1: carrot. I can tell a carrot from a lock.
0: Yeah, I can't believe we haven't played it together, actually. Erym oh, okay, and I... Well, um, next time. Yeah, my, my other brother, who's usually on the podcast, who's currently, you know, being a rock star on tour with his band whatever um, <laughs> he and i play it quite a lot um when we're having a sort of big gaming sesh that's a good warm-up game for us but he's very clumsy so when he plays it um cards end up everywhere and it gets a bit aggressive
1: <laughs> right you you, you want to warm up you don't want to um you don't want to blow your load too soon
0: <laughs> true true that <laughs> Um, and what are, the, what are the other sort of benefits of these little games that take sort of five ten minutes? Well,
1: the alternative, the alternative for me, there's two two things. The alternative for me to it being a warm up game is one, you have a tournament night at home yes! where you line up maybe you know eight short games and you kind of you know you have a scorecard of who's winning the games and so it's like a big game with many games within it. That would be one thing. The other thing, as I will probably mention when we review these, is about the portability of small games. Mm-hmm. That you can take them to friends and you can take them to the pub. And so often that's what I look for in shorter run games, is how portable are they and how well do they work in the pub. So those are the kind of other uses I have for them.
0: Yeah, and also how wipe clean.
1: How <laughs> wipe clean. You, that's for everything. That's that's your mantra. It doesn't matter what it is. Games, clothes... Yeah. carpets <laughs> i mean the walls
0: um i'm yeah. i'm you know if you listen to the podcast regularly you know i spill things constantly particularly tea um there is tea everywhere in my house i'm constantly wiping tea off of things so um if a if a if a game card or board can withstand a bit of tea we're good <laughs>
1: yeah, the tea test
0: <laughs> um so tim why don't we get into these games reviews what games are we talking about
1: Okay, so the three we're going to talk about today are A Little Wordy, which is a word game coming to us from Exploding Kittens. Mm-hmm. We've got um, Azul, that you're going to be talking about because I only witnessed the beginning and then had to run away like Cinderella.
0: Yeah, that's uh, by Next Move Games, uh, from uh, the brain of Michael Kiesling.
1: And we're going to round off with Odin's Ravens, uh, which is by game maker Torsten Gimmler.
0: A full-packed schedule of little <laughs> bite-sized games. Um, so why don't you kick us off with a little wordy, Tim, which we both play together in real life on my table.
1: Yes, so it is recognisably from the staple of Exploding Kittens, which I'm sure everyone will be familiar with. The basket. Um, it... Sorry?
0: The basket. Cats sleep in a basket.
1: The basket. <laughs>
0: just made a joke. It was very bad. I, I, I,
1: it went, whatever it was, it went well over my head. <laughs> do you want me you to do you want me to laugh and you can edit it in later? Wait a minute.
0: No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> oh, I gem. mean, I want
1: to hear the um, laugh just in case. Go on, go on, try a yeah. laugh. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> so this game is for um, ages 10 plus. Which I agree with. It's for two players at any one time. And it takes about 15 minutes to run around once you've learned the rules. It does take a little bit of time to figure out some of the mechanics. Um, It's a word game with tiles, but it is Mm -hmm. not Scrabble, crucially. It is not Scrabble. So if you're already tuning out thinking, I don't like Scrabble, I don't want to do this, stick with us and we'll try and explain it. So the gameplay... Mm-hmm. is that you take a pile of letters drawn randomly and you create a word from it. Uh, you write it down secretly and then you mix up and swap your tiles with your opponent. And the task is that you have to guess what word they came up with using their tiles. Now you have some bonus cards that can help you, um, so for example the card might allow you to ask what uh, for a vowel, what vowel is in the word, um, what the last letter is. How long is the word? And all of those kind of become part of the strategy of helping you guess the other person's word. As I said, it's very portable, which is yeah. good for pub games because it's really, apart from a, a, a little board that you can make notes on with a pen, it's just little cards and tiles so it squishes up into a nice little box and is easy to take to a friend's house, as I did.
0: Yeah, Um. so talk us through like how the game functions in a nutshell.
1: Hmm. so um you have clue cards, as I mentioned, that cost berries. At this point, I should probably tell you that the game is bird themed. Yeah. Birdie, wordy, the clue cards are designed to look like um puns on birds. You have business bird in the top hat, for example, you have Hum of Reaper, course. Hummingbird, Hummingbird Death, Caterpigeon. Um, and as you use these birdie clue cards. They cost berries to use them. So every time you want a clue as to what the other person's word is, they get berries from you. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, how long is the word? costs three berries. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have to guess the other person's words, but you have to finish with the most berries. Cool. So you might actually guess the other person's word before they guess yours. But if you finish with fewer berries than they do, by the time they guess your word, they you mm-hmm. still don't win. So you end your game when you guess the other person's word. They can continue guessing if they currently have more berries because they still might win. So it's like two games going on at once in a way. Guess the word, get more berries. And that adds that extra level of tactics.
0: Yes, yeah. It really, yeah, it really does because it's not just like Hangman with cute pictures. There is a sort of mm-hmm. secondary... Um, strategizing going on the whole way through, um, and it's just sweet, isn't it? It's a sweet sort of mechanic to like collect berries, your sweet little bird cards. I love yeah, it. Yeah,
1: and that's that's where I say it's recognisably exploding kittens. You know the illustrations, the puns. You can instantly see which house it comes from. Uh, I Basking. really love word games. <laughs> Stop saying it. Oh man. So I mean I love word games, so I could just talk about it as being kind of a great word game, but as I said, I'm aware that some people aren't super. Yeah, well let's games, let's so get why it's into good the to positives. Explore that strategy. What were right. the
0: main positives for you from this game?
1: So I think adding that strategic element is a good move for people who don't necessarily love word games. Um so for instance, it's not necessarily good to have a long word. Mm-hmm. You know, in Scrabble it would be like get a long mm-hmm. word, score lots of points, etc. But um, with this one, if I came up with a very long word and there weren't so many possibilities for, for creating a seven or eight letter word out of my tiles and you found out how long my word was, it actually makes it easier for you to guess. And there's a card, um, for example, that says, tell me what it rhymes with. So tactically, you're probably better off choosing... A sort of shorter or mm-hmm. middle word that has a lot of rhymes because it makes it harder to guess mm-hmm. so that's a key part of it that i really enjoy it means it's not de- it's a word game that's not dependent on your vocabulary to the yeah. extent that some of the word games are um i also like that there's a psychological element to it as well <laughs> in that you can try to imagine what kind of word your opponent might pick so say, for example, I might look at your giggling face and think she's come up with something rude. <laughs> right? She's definitely put down a rude word. What would I write if I were Gem? And vice versa, <laughs> you know. And then that also means that there's an element of bluffing involved mm-hmm. because you can, for example, I might guess a word that's very close to what you've written down but isn't quite right. But you might not want to show that on your face. So you have to be like, oh, no, I don't know. Oh, let me look again. What is it? No, no, it's not that. Um yeah so there's so a little there's, bit of poker all face sorts of going, going on. Going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so I say it doesn't demand the same level of vocabulary but it does come into play if you don't know how something is spelled and I will
0: yeah.
1: leave that hanging for the bit that's not as good.
0: Yeah. So any other little positives or anything of note that is a kind of a recom- not a recommendation but like a, a high point let's say.
1: Um I I think it's pretty easy to play I think it's very replayable it's a great big positive um you know you can I think you could keep playing this with many people leaning over shoulders and sort of looking at what other tactics are going on it's quite a fun one to watch happen as well um but because you can keep changing your tactics you get different words every time uh, and you're playing different people I think it's it's just got a lot of Um, a lot of life in it as a game. So that's another big positive. Yeah,
0: I'd agree with that. I think the game's got a lot of longevity. And when we played it, it was Yumi and Erim, And it was quite fun having the ability to sort of swap round and sort of decide Mm. whose shoulder you're going to look over. And like, ooh, that was close. You know, like you can sort of... It's a a bit of a... It's a fun sort of spectator game um, in a weird way.
1: (laughs) I think it is. Yeah, I found it a fun spectator game. I think because it's all... Decision making. And Mm -hmm. especially if you are able to talk through your decisions while you're doing them, um, then it's fun for other people to share in. And there's no there's no element of chance, really. Mm -hmm. And I think elements of chance are what can sometimes make observing games a little bit duller.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Because you can, um, with with this kind of game, you can watch it and sort of see where, oh, that was actually an obvious, really good thing you could have done, but you, you chose to do something else. And it's quite fun, like watching someone go in the wrong direction. And also, mm-hmm. as we're going to probably get onto, like a bit sort of like, ah, oh, sometimes when, um, yeah, people can't spell things, which will come on <laughs> <laughs> we, te- we teased
2: talking it. About me. Shall we
0: uh... Yeah, let's <laughs> get into that? it. Um, so the less negative, slash more challenging points of the game for some people.
1: Yeah, so it's it's the issue really of um, what happens if you are you know are dyslexic or you just right. make a spelling mistake or something. Um, I, you know, I think for example when. People have difficulty with spelling, and they're playing Scrabble. Then they might be given kind of the extra leg of having a dictionary next to yeah. them, so they can, you know, look things up and, and check and so forth. Yeah. But we found an example in this game where, <laughs> because the responses to "Is this the right word?" You're, you're just given really the options of yes or no. Yes or no. You know, exactly. does it does it end in an e? No. Um. But if you, if you basically know that the person guessing has pretty much got <laughs> the word right in terms of meaning, like there are no yeah. alternative meanings to it, but they've swapped two letters around, for example. Yeah, that's what happened to have me. We didn't have any guidance on how to work through that moment. And so we had to kind of talk about it under our breath and go, well, we don't just want to say no, because that's unfair. But what is the protocol in this? So we tried to give hints and that yeah. didn't really work out. No. And then we sort of... <laughs> And then we decided afterwards, you know, we should just give a more direct signal and just say it's a spelling issue. Yeah. And then you can you can make up your own, you know, rules regarding that on how you want to play, whether it's that you get another go or whether it's that you just don't get penalised for that go by having an incorrect guess in which, you know, your opponent gets berries out of it. So I think there are things that they could have suggested for how to get a... Considering... I, I think it's a very attractive game for people who don't normally necessarily play word games. Yeah, I think could have exactly. Given a little bit more support for people who struggle um, in that area.
0: Yeah. So full disclosure, I mean, I'm a terrible speller. I've always struggled with spelling. Um, and it was just the words. I don't even remember what it was. I, I wrote the word fiery, but I spelt it wrong with exactly the, the right letters in the wrong order. <laughs> Yeah. but in my brain that's how you spell it um and so i was just so confused by oh it's wrong but it's right so in my head i was like oh maybe there's actually no e in fiery because that's how bad of a speller i am like i will second guess all my spellings um and it's just like the way my brain is so i imagine as you said for you know people who are quite dyslexic or just like me like really really weird with spelling Yeah, this is a challenge, but you're absolutely right, Tim. Like a tiny little bit of guidance on that um, Mm -hmm. would really help people. And also, one of the really good things about this game is it can be played with multi generational um, gaming parties, you know. And there might be people who are like a bit younger who are otherwise quite good at Scrabble because you can double check stuff in a dictionary, but then become a bit nervous about this or have problems with this in a similar way that i did but yeah it's just it's just an interesting thing to sort of consider isn't it for this game because yeah. as you say uh, everything else about it is super accessible and less daunting than trying to play along with countdown which i just can't do
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, speaking of um uh, wipe cleanness You had a slight uh, yeah. issue with the uh, boards as well, didn't you? The scoring boards.
0: Yeah, I had a little negative with it because I think the design of the boards, as you mentioned, they're so portable. It's really light. Um, they're kind of car. It's a cardboard net. Um, and then you sort of fold that into a standing structure so that you can hide your word behind a little screen, and then that folds back down again once you've written your word, so that there's no chance of your opponent kind of accidentally seeing it. Um, but the surface of the board has been designed with a kind of a plasticky coating which means that it is meant to be wipe clean so you can write onto that surface and then the game comes with a wipe clean marker or dry wipe marker I think you call them so um, even after I think five or six rounds as you start to erase the word with a little um, rubber that's included on the marker you notice that There's still some black and staining, like, really, really quickly. Um, I think, was that the first time you played the game, Tim? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it was the first time.
0: So, stupidly quickly in terms of, you know, we're saying this game has a lot of replayability and longevity in the game design, but the actual um, kit that it provides you with to write the words on, I don't think is going to last that long. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and but I mean it's not it's also not an essential element to play like you can mm-hmm. just you know get scraps of paper and write it yourself and, and turn it upside down and the paper is useful to have because you do need to make notes as you go along yeah. because you if you think you'll remember the answers to the clues you won't <laughs> you have to write down okay it's seven letters it ends with an E it has you know this 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 and so it's yeah. useful to have paper to write stuff down. Yeah and it, com- it comes with a little pad it. doesn't
0: it? It came with a little no, you text, did it not? No, no, no. no you,
1: just those white clean boards. I was just, thought, oh, we just is... got
0: our own papers, didn't we? I remember writing things down physically. Um,
1: There's space on the boards to mm. write things down and make notes on, but they didn't give any paper. So, yeah, just get your own.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just, um, yeah. I, I found that strange, and also the sort of plasticky element of it, because it's essentially a cardboard game. It's like that's going to just sort of degrade um, mm-hmm. and then just be waste um and not really recyclable with that cardboard coat that plastic coating on it as well so just something that we've we've mentioned a few times with sort of cardboard based games it's just like thinking through you know how it ages and then what we do with it when when we can't use it anymore Um, yeah so who would you recommend this game to tim
1: i really think it's for anyone um, would I personally take the time to try and persuade someone who constantly says they hate word games? Probably not. <laughs> I reckon there are other games foot. but I think if anyone's willing to kind of give it the time and patience to particularly become familiar with um, like the help cards, the birdie cards, and you know have a couple of goes with people who are quite sympathetic. <laughs> yeah. Then, then I really think it could be accessed by anyone, um, and I think it's, I think it's potentially for all ages as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you. And even though I had a bit of difficulty with it, I think if we just set some rules um, ahead mm-hmm. of time, it will be totally fine. Uh, I did really enjoy it, and I really enjoyed yeah. watching it be played as well as we said. So, yeah, I agree. I think it, I'd recommend it to most people. And did we say how long it took to play around? I can't remember.
1: About fi- about fifteen minutes.
0: Yeah. I think a couple were a little bit quicker as well. But yeah, really sort of bite-sized, tasty little table cop. Table cop? Whoa, that's a different game. Um. Basket. (laughs) All right, then. So let's bring it round to your rating of this game, Tim. What would you give this game out of ten?
1: I'm going to give this one an unashamedly subjective score because I love word games and I love Mm -hmm. what they've done with the idea of word games here. So for me, it's a nine.
0: Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I think I'd need to play it a little bit more to give it a fair rating myself. Um, But at the moment, even though I found it difficult, I would still give it sort of a roundabout an eight. So yeah, it's definitely a recommend from us and um, we're big fans of the Exploding Kittens basket Back catalog of games mm, absolutely
1: <laughs> great great vibes all around from them so yeah, there was uh, there was a game played after that that uh yeah. i i only saw the setup for and then had to run away so jem can you please tell me about the next game as all
0: yeah so um Azul is a 2017 board game as i mentioned earlier by german games designer michael kiesling um and published by next move games among many other publishers because it's available all over the world and um, this game has won tons of awards so it's, i cannot even get through the list um and it's always recommended as a sort of shorter warm-up game um on things like board game geek uh, when people do sort of games night recommendations and things like that i always see this come up um and i was bought this um, i want to say christmas 2019 when we thought we'd be able to have physical mm-hmm. <laughs> game stays um and because we went into lockdown and blah, 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 um, i didn't get to play it until when we were released from lockdown um just before summer this year in 2021 um but i've played it a few times since then and it is great so um i'm going to give you a little nutshell about what the game is about please do crack your nuts so this is a kind of abstract uh tabletop game and um You basically take turns drafting coloured tiles from suppliers because you are a tile designer for a palace. That's basically what your kind of job is in the game. Um, so you take turns drafting these tiles to your player board. Uh, later in the round, you score points based on how you've placed your tiles to complete a little tile wall. Um, and extra points are scored for specific patterns and completing various sets. Um, and wasted supplies give you negative score. So there is a bit of strategy in this as well. Uh, and the game is played on a lovely little, uh, quite a robust cardboard um board that each player gets so it's a two to four player game and each player will have their own sort of cardboard square and it's a really nice quality board with a lovely tile wall which shows you the pattern of each tile that needs to fill that space so there's a kind of square space um, with all these different tile patterns and you need to get them on there in the right order next to that wall you kind of have what I like to call your stock room I don't know mm-hmm. if that's what it's meant to be, but you're, you know, you're a you're essentially a tile decorator. Um, and so you collect in each round of the game, there are several rounds before the game's complete, you collect as many of the appropriate colored tiles as possible into your storeroom. And if you complete the lines, they go from one to two to three to four to five. So you collect tiles in groups of colour. So some are yellow, some are red, some are mixed colours. Um, as you complete those lines in your storeroom, they move over to decorate your tile wall. So the first player to get a horizontal line um, will basically cause the game to be ended. Um, and then you add up all your scores. So the, as m- the most points scored at the end of the game is the winner.
1: Gotcha. So I I saw as I say this being set up and mm-hmm. there were lots of pieces. It looked really pretty by the way with all of the all of the pieces, but it also looked like it was going to be quite complicated. So in the gameplay, is it more simple than it sort of first appears and it and it sounds? Can you tell me a bit Super more about that?
0: Super easy. It's one of the quickest games to learn and play. Um, but I totally agree with you. I think because it's so um, brightly coloured, and actually I'll tell you a bit about what it's inspired by before I, I tell you about how simple it is to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's inspired by the Azuelo tiles, which were introduced by the Moors to Portugal. Um, and King Manuel I apparently on a visit to the Alhambra Palace in southern Spain was like obsessed with these tiles so he wanted some um, so he ordered a bunch of these decorative tiles and they were traditionally blue and white. Um, but in the game, there's lots of different colors. But they then, if you go to certain places in Portugal, you'll see evidence of them there. Um, so the idea is you are the tile laying artist um, that has the job of decorating the palace. And in the game, it's um, called the Royal Palace of Evora. So it's like this nice little backstory of something that has historical context um which is really nice but doesn't really affect the gameplay at all except you can pretend to be a tile layer but yeah the game is so simple so at the start of each round you have you have a certain number of like what look like little coasters but again they're really beautifully designed little cardboard um round coasters and each of them function as a shop window <laughs> and the tiles get laid just out of a cloth bag again really nice quality um elements to this game like lovely thick cloth bag you take out these lovely tiles which look like sweets they're really glossy like really hard robust lovely plastic really beautifully decorated and those get randomly placed onto the shop windows which are those little coasters I mentioned and then each round all you do is pick the colour you want So each go is like, I need some blue ones. So, oh, there's some blue ones on that little shop window coaster. I'll take those. And if there's any other color on that shop window, then they just go into the middle. So the shop windows go around in a circle and then there's a middle area, which is kind of your discard pile. But once that middle area gets some tiles in it, you can also choose to take from that middle area. And the only kind of restriction of the game is if you take a tile tile of one color, you have to take all the tiles in that space. So say you want a red tile, and there's three red tiles on a on a coaster, but you only need two, but there's no other way of getting red tiles. You will have to take all three of those tiles. And um, so then, then you'll have a tile in your discard, which as I mentioned earlier, does give you some minus points later on, but that's where you can be strategic because you might find that no one's picking up the blue tiles, for example, and they all end up in the middle. And if you think how many goes until the, the person next to you goes uh, and there'll be no more shop window tiles and so you have to go into the middle, you can kind of strategically do them over by making them pick up like seven blue tiles, for example, knowing that the, the biggest line in your storeroom is a five tile line. So you can kind of like mess each other over with that if you've got a kind of the kind of brain that does a bit of forward planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it, that that sounds like um, being a very being a mean businessman to yeah! um, <laughs> force your uh, your competitors into overbuying their stock. And Hell like yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and that is literally what it is. You just you go in there, you're basically on a shopping spree. You're like, yeah, I need some red. I need the blue patterned one. The rest is discard. Mm. So you might as well screw your opponents over with your discard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like going wild in wicks. So yeah, tell me exactly. about. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the best things about this game then.
0: Um, I've touched on a lot of them already. I think the build of the game, the actual structure of the game, is really high quality. So, you know, exactly in op- it, almost opposition to what I was saying about um, A Little Wordy, is that this game is going to last years. It's so robust, um, really good quality components. And I feel like that also, for a game that's so hands-on... The fact that the tiles are so tactile, tactile, I just realised that. Oh, uh, mate. Ooh. Well done. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm just full of them today. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, the fact that it's just so nice to handle the tiles, mm. the pieces, it just Adds an, an extra sort of dimension to the game. I think there's nothing worse, and I know we've all been there where you've got a game with like really fiddly bits, especially like yeah. little flimsy bits that just get papery stuck, to stu-
1: papery,
0: or like get stuck to your fingers, or they're too small to stand up or balance in the way they're designed to. So it's just really satisfying to have a game that you know is just going to last for years and not fall to bits. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that you've got a lovely cloth bag included as well, rather than loads of those little plastic oh yeah doobies yeah. um i just think it's a really nice touch and again that's that's not going to go anywhere that's it's really robust it's got a nice rope drawstring. It's great love it um yeah so i think that side of the game is a huge positive um tick also this game is just so fun and it, it takes about it says on the box it takes like up to 45 minutes we haven't had one that's lasted that long it's usually about 30 minutes but it feels quick because you're never really not doing anything. So Mm -hmm. while, basically, while someone is picking their tiles, and it it takes no time, you just, you pick a tile or you don't, basically. Um, On each go, you're like, which colour do I need? So you just have to pick something. It's not, there's not that much liberating. But in the time that someone else is picking, you're adding things up and strategizing. So there's not really any time where you're like, oh, come on, (laughs) you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Yeah. And we've been uh, talking about, like replayability of these small games being quite important. Obviously, it didn't take long to do it. So, did you find that is it a very replayable game?
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Also, because the margins of winning is quite small. Um, as I mentioned, you only need one. So it's kind of a I want to say a five by five grid. Uh, yeah, it's a five by five grid. The tile wall. Um, but you only need to get one horizontal line of five to initiate the end of the game. So you're always quite close to doing that Mm -hmm. so it's not like one person absolutely runs away with it so you feel like you've always got a chance of winning it's one of those games and where it'll come down to fine margins and often the last lot of adding up at the end of the game so i think that really keeps you invested and also like if you Mm. narrowly missed out you you just completely want to play again straight away
1: you want to go again yeah (laughs) it's quite moorish then (laughs) Uh, Look, if you're going to do puns, I'm going to do puns. That's the deal.
0: <laughs> that was a good part. I like that. That was yeah, actually thanks. funny. Um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk about the stuff that didn't go down so well, then.
0: Um, I've only really got one negative for this game, and that is the, um, the adding up of points. So it's not just as so straightforward as one tile in place on the wall equals one point. Um, there is some weird... Points addition that happens if tiles meet in and create an extra part of a horizontal and vertical line so like for example if you add a tile and that creates an l shape on your tile wall and where previously there was just a vertical line and a horizontal line that weren't touching then you add both of those together counting that adjoining tile twice Mm -hmm. but it's a bit confusing when you're you're moving tiles across from the storeroom into the wall you sort of have to add them up line by line because otherwise your brain is like hang on did I already add that because you've all every round your wall gets more populated with tiles so sometimes if you're getting a bit carried away or let's say you've had a drink um, you can't, I can't
1: imagine such a scenario
0: you, you sometimes can't remember if you counted that from the round before or the round you're currently on. So your brain does kinda of go, ah! Um, so there is a bit of mental gymnastics demanded in the way that that adding up works. Um, mm-hmm. But the end adding up is fine um, because it just gives you, the, on the board, it actually shows you um, what the kind of points advantage to how many like vertical lines or diagonals or whatever that you have. There's some bonuses that you can get. And that's pretty straightforward at the end because you know you're done. <laughs> but it's like at the, as you're going through the game yeah it's a little bit like uh, did I add that twice oh god I can't remember
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but it's I understand
0: you know yeah it's it's if you just do it one row at a time which is what you're meant to do according to the rules and don't get carried away adding all your points up all in one go then it's fine you just gotta keep an eye on it and that's my keep, only negative
1: keep a level head and a level spirit level when don't you're get too drunk is, is the moral yeah um <laughs> All right. So recommendations. Who's this for?
0: Um, I really think this game is for anyone. Um, like with again with the adding up, a similar caveat to the thing with spelling. If there's someone who struggles with adding up, then someone just volunteer to help them fairly, you know. Um, but other than that, I'd say this game is recommended for eight plus. I think. Just double check that. Yeah, eight plus. Um, I think the book. I think that's about right. You know, and Mm -hmm. um it's up to four players but two players is is great for this game as well so you can really go head to head and enjoy yourself so yeah anyone it's a really good family game um yeah anyone
1: do you think um do you think steve and tyler and Liv tyler would enjoy playing <laughs> this as a family game
0: <laughs> i mean they're already tyler's so why not be do a you, um, tyler for a palace do you think
1: mary mary tyler moore would enjoy playing this game hate you <laughs> all right just give it a mark out of 10
0: <laughs> uh, i'm actually gonna give this a super high mark um i'm only docking it a little bit because of the adding up complications i'm gonna give this a nine and a half out of ten i really Ooh, big love scores it
1: today yeah big scores. Um, i like
0: it absolutely love it and there's lots of different versions as well and they're all gorgeous so you can buy mm-hmm. one that's like mosaics and one that's like glass ceiling or something i just made that up but there are lots of different versions and they're very cool
1: well you were talking about how you don't necessarily need to um embrace the 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 portuguese culture of the tiles to enjoy the game but as we probably know by now i very much do like to embrace that so i would be putting on some fado music yeah i would be drinking some ports along with it uh you know classic ruby port as we go into winter but probably a (laughs) tonic in the height of summer
0: Yes, Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, Tim, actually, because at the end of this podcast, I'm going to ask you to suggest a drinks pairing for each of the games that we're talking about. Oh,
1: okay. I'll hold up on the other two then. I was uh, just going to
0: do that. Yeah, and I'll I'll say why at the end of the podcast. But if you want to know a drinks pairing for each of the games, listen to the end and Tim will enliven your taste buds <laughs> with uh, the perfect pairing <laughs> right,
1: well then let's get to the uh, the final game so we can uh, get on the bebs
0: yeah what is it Tim
1: <laughs> ok so this game is called Odin's Ravens now the little story you need to know behind this is that Odin is a Norse god um, the Allfather he had two ravens who like to perch on his shoulders Hugin which means thought and Munin which means memory and every Hugging morning, and moaning. Hug, hugging and moaning for... Um,
0: <laughs> the layman's.
1: For the, those of the Bexley Heath persuasion. <laughs> um, every morning, <laughs> Odin sends his <laughs> ravens out to fly around, around Earth, around Midgard, and to listen out and gather the news for the day, and they fly back in the evening and they let him know what's been going on. That is the premise of this game. Mm-hmm. So two players... Um, each playing one raven fly opposite ways around a 32 space playing field trying to be the first one home that's it that's your that's your premise
0: very nice Uh, and how does the gameplay work in a nutshell tim
1: so it's a race game Mm -hmm. you go space by space but playing um, entirely with cards no no dice racing Um, the game is all cards, very, very portable, apart from two little wooden ravens, which are your play pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, so as I say, it's created in 2016, Torsten Gimler, recommended for eight plus, and around it says last 20 minutes, I find it can go a bit quicker once you get used to it, it can be quite a fast paced game. Um, the, the layout then, so the board, there's no actual board, the board is created by cards. Um, so there are five different types of land card you know, like river, mountain, forest, etc. You see that in all sorts river of
0: games. Deep, mountain high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry I couldn't resist. <laughs> We're getting
1: there. We're getting there. Um, go on, go on. so you lay out you lay out the land spaces <laughs> so that none of them repeat. And that means that everyone has the same advantage when they're racing around the board. Um, and then you have terrain cards which can match the land cards. Mm -hmm. And you play that to move forward um, across the land, usually one space. But if you get two of the same um, uh, land cards uh, next Mm -hmm. to each other, then you move across both spaces. Or if you get three, you move across three spaces. Um, If you have two of the same colour terrain cards, you can play them as though they were one other Mm colour. What that means is... It, the, there's almost never a time when you can't move. You keep moving, you keep putting down cards mm. all the time. So it's a very pacey game and you can't collect more than seven cards anyway. So you have to kind of keep playing all the time and that's part of the fun of it.
0: Yeah, there absolutely. Are
1: eight Loki cards, which you need to be aware of. Of course, this is a Norse game and the tricks to God is going to appear. And yeah. these tricks allow you to shift the land spaces Or move yourself or impede your opponent. Mm -hmm. So, for example, by building a bridge to make the other raven have to fly further around. Or you can twist land types so that you can move over several of the same spaces in one go, as I described earlier. Mm -hmm. And this is where the tactical elements really come in. It's in trying to think whether... By giving yourself an advantage early on, for example, that might then be beneficial to your opponent in the second half of the game when they're coming back down the track that you started on. So you have to think quite carefully about what's going to help you, will it also help your opponent as well. Um, Understanding how the Loki cards work is really the, the majority of the setup time. Yeah. But what they do really well is they give you little diagram reminders on the cards, so that does help. It's once you've read through it once, you don't really need to read them again. You can kind of understand what they all mean. Yeah, um, it was uh, and that's really, really the quick gameplay. To
0: learn. it was really really quick to learn and um, just to pick up on that, that point. And like for me, when I when you first brought it over and I looked at it and watched it being played with you and Erin, first of all. In my head, like the way I understood it, it was kind of dominoes. Like, as each card has got that split of, of the different lands, it's kind of dominoes, but dominoes being used as a bridge to get forwards. <laughs> so, like, sort of constantly yeah. turning it around to match the domino next to it. Like in my in my weird brain, that's how I learned how to play it really quickly. I was like, oh, it's, it's bridge dominoes. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're right. It is very similar to that. It's like playing. It's like playing dominoes, but moving along the track as you go. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's what I mean by bridge, not the game mm. bridge. Like as in, it's your road. The road dominoes. Yeah. There we go. That's better. Um. So, talk us through the biggest positives of this game, Tim.
1: Well, as we just mentioned, really, I, I love the simplicity and the speed of the game. um Also, every time I've played it, because I played this one a lot more than than the others that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um. You only really win or lose by a few steps. Mm. So there's no feeling of inevitability to the game. It can turn around really quickly. You might Mm. think you're far behind, but all of a sudden everything falls into place for you. Especially if you've saved up some of your trick cards. Um, And everyone gets an even number of turns. Mm. So even if someone made it home first, the other person gets another go um, to try and make it home as well. So you can tie in the game. Yeah, that's great. I'm completely fine with if you want to like end in a tie I don't think there's anything wrong with that what it most likely means is you're just going to go around again <laughs> you're going to play the game again because it will go faster the second time you know and you, you want some kind of result so very very replayable because of its simplicity and speed and portability
0: yeah and I'd just like to add to that Um, I think this is a booze friendly game because it's so visual isn't it that mm-hmm. it just you're not doing the the sort of adding up that i mentioned in azul no
1: <laughs> no it's not particularly taxing because you have i think because you have to play something there's not, there's never really a move you make that's really terrible mm. it might not be the best move but it's not bad you're still going to move forward probably. And I think that's, for those kinds of minds, I think that's quite encouraging.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, enjoy with a a drink that Tim's going to mention later. (laughs) (laughs) So what, if any, were the negatives of this game for you?
1: Well, because it is such a visual game in a lot of ways, that leads me onto something that I thought wasn't quite up to scratch, which is the designs of the cards. So they've obviously gone for, you know, these sort of Norse swirly designs, and the colour palette is all of a quite similar earthy tones. Oh, yeah. So there's very little difference, for example, I think, between, you know, the um, the purple and the blue, uh, maybe, for example, and then the green. Um, what that means is it can be quite difficult to play in low light conditions. If you want to take it to the pub, for example, it's a great Mm. pub game, but actually in low light conditions, you're gonna end up doing a bit of squinting and double Mm. checking. Um, Or also, you know, if you have visual difficulties distinguishing between similar colors. Also, sorting between the cards, because the back of the cards have very similar patterns. And actually, that just kind of separating card from card and putting them in the right piles took you know, half of the longer game than time, the game, which yeah. it shouldn't. <laughs> so, you know, I think the design could have been a lot simpler, a lot bolder. You know, and use easier symbols for people to understand more quickly. So that's my criticism of that. I don't think the design is as accessible as it
0: could mm, be. Yeah, even just like a bold color differentiation, um, you know, illustrations aside, just the even if you went off bold color difference rather than this mm-hmm. kind of, as you said, muted sort of earth, earthy palette and um, that would just help i think but yeah. yeah right so who would you recommend this game to tim
1: oh absolutely anyone it's so simple it's so simple to learn it's simple to play as you say because it's got that Domino's vibe to it mm. which is has got to be one of the first games everyone learns to play anywhere in the world i would think <laughs> yeah. um yeah i think it's super accessible for anyone
2: yeah and, what, what is can the age I, of can i
1: add on that to yeah, on. not yeah, it's uh, it's eight plus, it says, although I think younger is absolutely fine. But can I add on that in terms of the recommendations that although I enjoy the Norse aspect of it and the Ravens and all that kind of vibe, you're not about to enter a world of Game of Thrones or Warcraft or yeah. any of those other sorts of games. It's kind of like you said, the the theme of the previous game is sort of incidental in a way. Yeah. Same as here. It could be any land type. It could be any bird. So don't be put off if that's not your thing
0: yeah like this and Azul as you're saying it's like inspired by a story mm-hmm. but absolutely don't be put off by it and I would, I would extend that to um, something that Erin and I mentioned when we reviewed Lords of Waterdeep which is don't be put off by the art design on the box which is very, it feels very high fantasy, it feels like Yes, it's 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 referencing Norse mythology, but it, but the, the art style feels like someone who's really into reading hardcore fantasy books. Those kind of covers, if you if that makes sense. Yeah. So don't be yeah. put off by this. This is an accessible game, uh, as Tim said. I would also recommend it to anyone. It's really good fun and really quick, fast paced, and definitely gets you warmed up for a good sesh. So Tim, what would you rate this out of ten?
1: For me, um, it, it just loses on the um, design accessibility, but it gains points for how replayable and portable it is. So it's a, it's another nine. It's a high-scoring day.
0: Ah, it's a high-scoring day. I love it. I love it. Um, so that brings us to, I was going to put you on the spot, but you had a little pre-warning. Um, Tim also has another podcast called Thinking Drinking. What's that about, Tim?
1: It's about um, drinks trivia and social history. So I can promise you that there are no tasting notes going on, although we do drink throughout <laughs> it. But it's mostly about kind of historical nuggets, um, sometimes a little bit of chemistry, lots of kind of cultural tales behind some of your favourite drinks and some of the more obscure ones. And we sort of look at it globally and through all sorts of periods of time.
0: And that is why I was going to ask Tim uh, for a very special new addition to My Turn podcast, which is, Tim, what tasting pairing would you recommend for the games we review are you up for this
1: oh absolutely (laughs) yeah i feel like this is the skill i was really born to demonstrate to the world
0: me too because tim is like i mean (laughs) We're siblings, basically, and uh, Tim is always one for making sure the atmosphere is fully kind of (laughs) realised, not just in the games you play, uh, the places you go to, but also what you're wearing, and more importantly, what you're eating and drinking. So, Tim, I'm going (laughs) to challenge you to give us a drinks pairing for playing A Little Wordy.
1: Oh, now, you see, A Little Wordy was a a little bit difficult, more difficult than the other two, because I had to think through this, you know, birds drinks mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. do they go together something to do with the drinking bird that kind of tips its head of no, <laughs> no, no. anyway what I came to is that um you know part of the goal is that you're meant to be collecting berries as, as tokens and oh points, I, see. So I thought a berry liqueur like a kiss oh, I
2: knew I was gonna say that
1: <laughs> so look you can have it as a little aperitif you could pour it over some ice cream maybe if you're having a little mm. party game or well, you can make a delicious cocktail but bramble uh, isn't think... it
0: with cassis I think.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. But yeah, definitely cassis in some form.
0: Love it. Uh, which moves us into Portugal for azul you already mentioned.
1: I did well it's got it's got to be ports for mm. Portugal, hasn't it? But um yeah, as I mentioned, I think most people would be familiar with the the ruby and tawny ports which are wintry, but if you're playing it in the summer um go and try some white port have it chilled with some tonic water that's a delicious way to have port throughout the entire year which i can heartily recommend
0: (laughs) i want some now oh so refreshing and last but not least what would you pair with odin's ravens
1: i'd feel remiss if i didn't suggest mead
0: (laughs) a traditional
1: norse a traditional norse game a great big uh, stone tankard if you can get it of, uh, of some mead or, or a wooden barrelled one. What I will say about mead just to kind of, because I, I said you know you might be one of these people who doesn't like all this Norse stuff and etc it's not so much that the Norse drank more mead than everyone else and they, they were the only people to make it. Mead is made in every culture in every yeah. uh, country in the world because everyone has access to honey and bees it's that they didn't drink wine the right. the environment the climate was not good for viticulture mm-hmm. so whereas everywhere else also kind of had wine to balance out the things they were drinking the the norse really only had ales and mead and that's why we kind of picture them with that
0: oh and i love mead i love like a spiced mead in the winter slightly warmed oh mm. <laughs> yum oh you just making Absolutely. me want booze now tim
1: yep have you ever had um a mead uh, warmed up by a hot poker
0: I don't know why it's, I would have.
1: It's a, it's a traditional way to do it. So rather than putting it on like a stove top or something, you have like a barrel of mead, and you get a, you fire up a red hot poker, and you just plunge it in, and that's how they used to heat it up. Uh, uh,
0: no one can see my so face you, right now, but I'm terrified. <laughs> if, you
1: can, if you can get one of those for a, for a game tonight, that's what I'm saying. If you want to go the full hog, let's get a red hot poker barrel of mead plunge it in That's
0: i mean fun. i can i could probably get you a kebab skewer being being of turkish heritage i've got a few of those lying around but um, i don't know about sounds that, poker. It sounds great well i think that brings us neatly um somewhat terrifyingly to the end of the
2: podcast
0: <laughs> <laughs> who's got a hot poker lying around it? anyway right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've just got Vlad the Impaler in my head. I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I think Tim's broken me today. But thank you so much for joining us for season five of My Turn podcast. Wow, five seasons. Um, we've been woo. doing this a long time. Woo, woo, woo. Um, so thank you very much, to Tim. joining me and thank you for listening along if you have any board game recommendations for us um please uh get us on instagram is where we're most active we also have twitter uh just my turn podcast you'll find us um yeah just like suggest stuff away get in the dms because we are looking to take on as many board games as we can before we're locked away again which i hope never happens but you know it the world um but thank you so much for joining us if you feel inclined in your hearts to give us a five star review that would really help also please subscribe and share this podcast with your fellow gaming geeks because we just love games so much and we know you do too so let's just share the love we enjoy it you enjoy it recommend us some games it'll be ace um so I think goodbye is where we're at now. So thanks, Tim. See you later. Thank
1: you very much. Um, Au revoir, chickpea.
0: (laughs) Basket. (laughs) Bye. Bye.